Masech Shabbos, Pergud Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, until Pergud Aleph, Mishnah Dalet. After spending many prokim discussing the Malacha of Haitzah, carrying from one domain into another, the main focus of this Perek are Toldois, secondary subcategories of the Malacha of Haitzah, which of course, like every Tolda, are also forbidden Midaraisa, and carry exactly the same punishment as the Av Malacha itself. And the first Tolda which we're going to discuss is Zrika, when you throw something from one domain into another. Now, as we have learned, for something to be considered a toldo, it has to be done in a very similar way to the av. Now, the av malacha of transferring from one domain into another involves an akira, picking it up in one domain, shinryushus, which is when you change the domain, and then a hanacha, when you place it down in the new domain. Now, when you throw something into a different domain, you're not actually doing the hanacha. Nevertheless, since the Hanukha, since the act of it being placed down is done as a direct result of your action, it is considered your Hanukha, and therefore this is also forbidden mid as a tolda of Hitzah. So the Mishnah says, when he throws something from a private domain into a public domain, or from a public domain into a private domain, he is liable, so of course if he did it by mistake, Meaning, if he didn't realize that it was forbidden, then he would have to bring a korban chatos, and if it was intentional, then he receives the death penalty, just like every malacha of Shabbos. Now, what happens if he throws something, from a private domain into a private domain? One is certainly not chayev for that, but a there was a public domain in the middle, and the item passed through the airspace of the public domain before it landed in the second Rishushayachid. Now, it's important to remember that the airspace of Rishusarabim only goes up to a height of 10 tefachim. Higher than 10 tefachim above Rishusarabim is known as a mokim p'tur, an exempt area where you're totally allowed to carry and pass things from one domain into another. But we're referring to where the object was within the airspace of the Rishusarabim, so it was thrown below 10 tefachim and went through the Rishusarabim. Now, there was no Hanukha at all in the Rosh Hashanah so you would think that he should be Potter. However, says the missionary Rabbi Akiva Machayev, Rabbi Akiva says he is Chayev, and this is based on a principle known as Kalutok Mishahuncha. And that means that something which is totally immersed and totally inside something is viewed as if it is resting in that thing. Meaning, in this context, since the item is totally in this Rashus Arabim, we view it as if it is actually resting in that Rashus. Because it's so much a part of that domain, it's as if it's actually resting, so it's as if there was a Hanukkah in the Rishus Arabim, which means that he is Chayev. However, the Patron, the say that he is exempt because they do not hold of this principle of Kluto Kamisha Huncha. Mishnah base, Ketzad, how so? And the truth is that some Mishnahis get rid of the word Ketzad because this is not really explaining the previous Mishnah. Because the previous Mishnah, as we explained, was discussing a case where he throws it below Tent Fachim in the the following case will discuss a very similar scenario where you're transporting something from Rosh to another Rosh via Rosh Hashanah. But in this case, it is above Tent Fachim from the floor of the Rosh Hashanah. Now, although above Tent Fachim is a mock impetur, we're nevertheless going to see that you will be chayev in a particular case for transporting something through a mock impetur. And although in every other case, a mock impetur, as its name suggests, makes you exempt, in this case, since this thing was done in the Mishkan, you will be chayev. Now, what exactly is that case? So, in the Mishkan, when they transported the various vessels and the walls of the Mishkan through the Midbar, there would be four different wagons in two rows. There would be two wagons, and directly behind them, there would be another two wagons. 
and they would lift up beams onto the front wagon, the two front wagons, and then they would pass the beams across so that they would also be resting on the back wagons. And then they would be transported on both of the wagons together. But the point is, the wagons were higher than Tent Fahim. And each wagon was considered to be a Rishus HaYachid. And so when they passed the beams from the front wagon to the back wagon, so that they would be resting on both of the wagons, that was passing something from a Rishus HaYachid through a Rishus HaRabim into another Rishus HaYachid. However, in this case, the middle part wasn't really a Rishus HaRabim. It was above a Rishus HaRabim known as a Mokin Petur. But in this case, it's not really a Mokin Petur, because if you did exactly the same thing on Shabbos, you would be Chayev, since this exact thing was done in the Mishkan. And all of the Malachas of Shabbos are learnt from the Mishkan. So certainly, if you do exactly the same thing as that, as that which was done in the Mishkan, you would be Chayev. So the Mishnah begins, Two balconies, One opposite the other, on the other side of the street, in a public domain. Says the Mishnah, in this case, one who passes beams or he passes something from one balcony to the other, or if he throws it, then Potter, he is exempt, because this is not the case which was in the Mishkan, because if you recall, they would pass the beams from the front wagon to the back wagon, but never from one front wagon to the wagon next to it, widthways. It was only from the front to the back, and therefore in this case you are Potter, because it is not like the Mishkan. However, if both of the balconies were in one line, meaning they were both on the same side of the street in the Rosh Hashanah, and you pass the beams lengthways from one balcony to the next, so then if you pass something from one balcony to the next, you would be even though it's above 10 Tfachim, the reason being that this is exactly what was done in the Mishkan from one wagon to the one behind it. However, says the Mishnah, if one throws something from one balcony to the next one, then even if they are both on the same side of the street, Potter, he will be exempt. And the mission explains, because this is what the Levim uh, did. This was, this was the work of the Levim. There were two wagons, one up behind the other in the public domain. They would pass beams from one wagon to the one behind it. But they would never throw the beams. And therefore, if you throw the beams, you would be exempt. And this is even according to Biakiva in the previous Mishnah, because over here we're talking about where it was above 10th Fahim. So it's not inside of the Rishos Harabim, so you would be exempt. Now, the next law of the Mishnah sort of summarizes many of the halachas we've learned about the four different Rishos, the four different domains when it comes to Shabbos. And the Mishnah says, Chuyas Habur, the wool which is built around a pit. When they would dig a pit, all of the earth which they dug, they wouldn't just get rid of it. Rather, they would use that earth itself to build a wall around the outside of the pit. So such a wall, the Hasela, and a rock, which are ten tefachim high and four tefachim wide, at least. And the truth is, according to many, the height of the pit can combine with the height of the wall which goes above it to make the ten tefachim, and then inside of that area would be considered the Rosh Hashayachid. Because indeed, the definition of a Rosh is an area which is at least 4 by 4 Tfachim, surrounded by a wall which is at least 10 Tfachim high. And therefore, says the Mishnah, if this is in a Rosh then Hanaitel Mehen, one who takes something from the pit, or from the rock, the Hanaitin al Gabon, or if somebody puts something onto the rock or into the pit, Chayv they are because they have taken from a Rosh into a Rosh or the opposite. However, says the Mishnah, if it's less than 10 Tfachim high or 4 Tfachim wide and long, 
potter they would be exempt. And the truth is, if it is less than four by four tvachim, then it's considered to be a mokum p'tur, and even ideally one is allowed to transfer from there into a sarabim or vice versa. And the other scenario where it is four by four tvachim, but the wall is less than ten tvachim high, so that would be considered a caramelis. So ideally one is not allowed to on one is not allowed to carry from there into a sarabim. But if one did so, he would be exempt. Mishnah Gimel. So far in this parak, we have discussed two different toldos of carrying something from one domain into another. The first one is throwing it, and the second one is passing it from one person to another person. Instead of putting it down in the domain itself, you put it down, let's say, in the hand of the other levy who is in the other wagon, or the other person who's in the balcony. That is the second tolda, where there's another person involved, not in the action, but he's involved in the fact that you put it into his hand. The third holder is something which we've mentioned a few times already, and really many of the laws of Eitzor which we've discussed apply to this too, and that is carrying something for at least four Amas in Rishus Harabim. And as we're going to see, the same would apply if you throw it in Rishus Harabim. Now, just like when you transfer from one domain into a different domain, it needs to actually land in the new domain, there has to be a Hanacha, the same will apply in this Malacha too. So the mission begins, One who throws something for four Amas, it travels four Amas in a public domain, and lands on a wall. Let's say the thing which you throw is sticky, so it sticks to the wall. If it's stuck to the wall, above ten Tfachim from the ground, that means that the Hanacha of the item did not occur in the Rosh Hashanah Rather, it occurred in a Mokham Ptur, because it's above ten Tfachim, and therefore Gazoi Aver. It's like he threw it in the air, and not in the Rosh Hashanah However, if it landed below Tent Fachim on the wall, it's like he threw it onto the ground of the Rosh Hashanah and he is there for Chayev. Continues the Mishnah, what happens in a regular case where you actually, there's no wall, but you just throw something in Rosh Hashanah for four Amas? So of course, when he throws something four Amas in Rosh Hashanah it lands on the ground in Rosh Hashanah and that's sort of an introduction to the next couple of cases. We're going to understand this to mean if somebody threw something intending that it would land within four Amas. So he did not intend to do a prohibited act. He intended to do a small throw where it would land within four Amas, but he threw it a bit too hard in a skalgal chutzlar Amas. It ended up traveling to outside four Amas. Says the Mishnah Potter, he is exempt because he did not intend to throw it four Amas. And this teaches us something very important. When we refer to somebody who broke Shabbos by mistake, that does not mean that he didn't mean to do that act. If somebody doesn't mean to do a particular act, such as in this case, he didn't mean that it would go for Amos, that's not considered breaking Shabbos at all. He won't even be chayv to bring a korban chatos. One is only chayv to bring a korban chatos if he intended to do that exact act. It's just that he didn't know that it was forbidden. He didn't know he wasn't allowed to do it. He didn't know it was Shabbos, for example, or he didn't know this was something which was forbidden. Then he would be chayv to bring a korban chatos. But in this case, since the entire act was not intentional, he is totally exempt. But on the other hand, chutz la'arba amais. If he intended to throw it outside of four amas, v'nis galgal amais, and then it actually only went within four amas, it landed within four amas, chayv, he is obligated, and there's a discussion as to what exactly the case was over here. According to many, the cases where it actually did land outside of four amas, 
and then it just rolled back in. So since it landed past Fort Amos, he can't change that, even if it comes back in later, he did the malacha, so he's chayev. Now some say that it doesn't actually have to land outside of Arba Amos, it's enough that the wind sort of makes it stop in the air for a moment, or if it changes direction, that's enough. However, according to most, it does actually have to land past the four Amas. The halach is that the sea is not considered to be a Rishus Hayachid, either because its walls are not considered to be real walls, they're not steep enough, or because it's so expansive and large, and not really considered to be surrounded by walls. It's much more open and wide. On the other hand, it's not considered to be a Rishus Harabim, because it's considered so different to a regular road, and because it is far less public than a regular public domain. So because of this, it's considered to be a Carmelis, and therefore, one who throws something for four Amas in the sea, he throws it and it travels at least four Amas, and then lands in the sea, Potter, he is exempt, but of course, ideally, he may not do this, because it's forbidden to carry or to throw something, even in a Carmelis, for four Amas, Midrabanan. Now what happens, says the Mishnah, if there was a pool of water, and we're discussing a pool of water, which is relatively shallow, and it's in the middle of the street, and it is quite muddy. We'll see why that's relevant in a moment. So you've got this pool of water, and a public domain goes through it, meaning it's inside the middle of the street, people don't mind passing through it, it doesn't really interrupt the Rosh Hashanah, and therefore, it's considered secondary and subordinate to the Rosh Hashanah, which means that Hazarik the Seicha Arba Amais, one who throws four Amas in that pool of water, Chayev is Chayev, just like if he throws something four Amas in Rishus Arabim. Now the mission defines what exactly we are talking about. How deep is this pool of water? It has to be less than ten Tfachim deep. Because if it is more than ten Tfachim deep, then it is not considered to be secondary to the Rishus Arabim, rather, it's considered to be like the sea and like any river which has the status of a Carmelis, and you would therefore be exempt if you throw four Amas over there. Now the Mishnah ends off by repeating exactly what it said earlier on. Rekak Mayim, a pool of water which is shallow and muddy, or Shusrav Mahalechas Boy, and a public domain goes through it, people don't mind to go through it. One who throws something for Amas in there, Chayev is Chayev. Now why exactly does the Mishnah have to repeat itself? The Gemara gives a number of explanations and we will give one. And that is as follows. The reason why it is considered to be secondary to the Rosh Hashanah is dependent upon the fact that people who are traveling there in the public street don't mind walking through this pool of water. Which means that it doesn't interrupt the public domain and it is considered part of it. Now the Mishnah has to say this twice to show us that whether it be the winter or the summer, it is still considered to be secondary to the public domain. Why would I have thought this only applies in one of them? Because maybe it's only in the summer where people want to cool off, so only then would they be willing to go through this water. Or on the other hand, I could say that only in the winter, where anyway people are more wet and muddy, so they don't mind going through this water. There's logic to say on either side, and therefore the mission has to tell us twice to show that throughout the entire year, People are generally happy to go through this water, and therefore it is considered to be secondary to the Rishos Arabim, and so if you throw something for Amos over there, you would indeed be Chayev.